0: There's this thing that happens, let's say at school where a bunch of guys are in the bathroom at the urinal, laughing about some dork that made an anus of himself in gym. You're all basically nice guys, right? You know right from wrong. It would not in a million years be brutal to the poor guy's face. And then it happens. The dork was in the shitter. He comes out of the stall with this look. He heard everything. And you realize you're not really that nice of a guy. This is what I would say, if I could, to all smart people of the world with their dumb hillbilly jokes, we are right here on the stall. We can actually hear you. Welcome to Bibliophiles at Home,
1: a book club podcast for introverts. I'm Camilla. And I'm Jennifer. Each episode, we will break down a book using current bestseller lists, Goodreads recommendations, and of course, book talk. At the end
0: of each episode, we will announce our next book so you can read along with us.
1: So grab your favorite beverage, get comfy cozy, and join us as we embark on this reading journey from the comfort of home.
0: Welcome to another episode of Bibliophiles at Home. How are you, Jen? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Kind of book hangover lately. Yeah. Been reading a lot, but I'm happy we're here to discuss Demon Copperhead. Yeah. this is going to be a good one, I think. We're going to actually change up the format of this episode a little bit. Mm -hmm. Do you want to tell everyone what we're going to be
1: doing? Yeah. I mean, this episode is going to be a little bit less... Plot-driven and um, more sort of discussion-focused. So we'll kind of go over the overarching plot, but rather than being super specific about every single little event, it's going to be more about the content overall.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's good for this book because it was quite, quite heavy,
1: mm-hmm. really. Yeah. I think this is
0: the heaviest book we've read so far. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and it was a good book. I, I definitely have mixed feelings about it. Mm-hmm. Um so we can dive right in let's start with our author's bio, which okay. is on Barbara King's Solver, which I keep saying Barbara King's Lover, which is not her not her name. I, I did learn that. Um, and so usually when I start my research for our author's bios, I usually go right to the author's website first and then I'll typically check their Wikipedia page. But when I was researching, this particular author, unlike every other author we've covered so far, she had a lot on her website, which is great. And so I kind of plucked a few different um, quotes about her as a person just to kind of give us an idea of, mm-hmm. of who she is as a writer. And I actually ended up not going to Wikipedia to do any research because I kind of got the vibe that she's not a fan of Wikipedia. Yeah. Yeah, that's the vibe. And her I really couldn't figure out a way to narrow down her biography because really she kind of wrote it like an autobiography. So it's really quite long.
1: Okay. Like
0: everything that's featured. And she goes like all her major life events, all the places that she's lived. You know, she didn't even start as a writer. She I think she ended up getting a scholarship to college for piano and mm-hmm. then switched to biology before she even considered writing. So she has a quite a quite an interesting life but it wasn't something that we could cut into like you know a three minute segment okay. you know what I mean
1: So so now she's not a fan of Wikipedia in general or of her own Wikipedia page.
0: Let me read you this quote okay. and then we can <laughs> okay. we can you know kind of see see what we think. Okay. So per her own words on her website, Barbara Kingsolver has said, I offer the world my books which stand on their own without explanation and never imagine the details of my personal life should interest anyone but friends and family. I do not believe this information improves the understanding of my books in any way. Yet, I understand that for many people, art inspires curiosity about the artist. I've also learned, the hard way, that Wikipedia abhors a vacuum. Others gladly fill in the biographical details I decline to offer myself. For that reason, as a supplement to the other versions that are now in the world, I provide here my own version of the Barbara King story. It's less entertaining than some of the others, but also has the distinction of being true. What do you th- what do you think?
1: Um yeah, I mean, I I would agree, I guess to some extent. I I think we're going to talk a little bit about the fact that Demon Copperhead is um is a modern retelling of David Copperfield. And there are a lot of elements of Charles Dickens writing that are inspired because of his personal life. And so I think sometimes knowing the personal life of the author or their history or their background can be helpful to understanding their writing and maybe give you a good perspective. So I don't know if I necessarily agree that there's nothing to be gained from knowing about your author. Right. Um But I can also certainly understand her perspective that, um, you know, Wikipedia as Michael Scott from The Office tells us, you know, you're getting the best possible information because anyone can write anything they want about any yeah, subject. Yeah, right, right. It's not really well regulated. Right. So I understand that perspective as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so I did not go to Wikipedia and researching, which I usually do for most of our authors. I kind of pull from wh- wherever I can get any information. Mm-hmm. And so I did not out of respect because I just got the vibe that she wants to be um, the owner of her own story, which I I get that. And then I did find another quote interesting, um, which she states, All public exposure is hard work for introverts like me, especially in a culture that treats celebrities, even lower order literary ones, as objects rather than humans with feelings and families. So I feel like something might have happened along Mm. the way that has given her, which I was not aware of. um, But I found that interesting, and I just wanted to kind of honor her privacy and also kind of pay homage to her... Autobiography, so she does really give a really detailed background of her life, major events. Um, you know, to kind of recap quickly, she was born in Annapolis, Maryland in 1955, lived in Kentucky for several years. Her dad was a physician who focused on low-income families, and so they moved around to several countries, most notably. The Republic of Congo where she lived mm. and she kind of talks about how it was very jarring for her to move back into Kentucky after like any time that they spent long periods in you know third world countries because she'd come back home and like have all these comforts that right felt like you know she wasn't she wasn't acclimated to those anymore so she kind of felt like a stranger in her own home which I felt was very interesting attends uh Deepaw University as a young adult and then You know, kind of her career went in a lot of different directions before she landed on writing, Mm -hmm. and so that I think that pretty much covers the main gist of it. But you know, she's notably known for the Poisonwood Bible. Mm -hmm. That's one of her more popular books, and I think that came out in
1: 1999.
0: Okay, so older than I thought.
1: Yeah,
0: as far as timing. All right, Jen. So why don't you give us our synopsis for this book?
1: Sure. So uh, this novel is set in Lee County, Virginia and Demon Copperhead uses the first point of view of its titular character to juxtapose the world's beauty and ugliness. The story exposes the systemic failures of American institutions, but celebrates the resiliency of the individual spirit. Kingsolver bases her novel on Charles Dickens' David Copperfield, which was first published in 1850, To connect the present to the past, to combine cultures, and to adapt Dickens' mission of using literature to hold a mirror up to society. Um, And so that synopsis is from the website Super Summary.
0: Oh, awesome. That's great. I was wondering, did you write that?
1: I did not. That's a little bit more um, specific than what I usually get into. (laughs) Um, Yeah, a little bit more um, critical. Yeah, what I usually get into. Um, But we do also want to say that there are some content warnings for this novel. Um, So it this novel features disturbing content such as drug addiction, death by overdose, physical and emotional abuse, sexual exploitation and anti gay slurs.
0: Yep. This book was tough. I feel like there's some trigger. I was triggered a lot during this book, actually, Mm -hmm. and and none of it had to do with any of those triggers that you just mentioned. Okay. I think it was, I think we can dive into that a little bit. I think this might end up being a little bit more personal of an episode just because this book was Mm. so heavy and it felt like I could relate to the main character in some ways and it brought up some unresolved feelings for me that I was like, okay, Mm. make sure to bring that up with my therapist later on, (laughs) but... Yeah, this, I mean, I. so we can kind of pause for a second and maybe just pay homage to what a great job Barbara did with, you know, the connections between her book and the original, which this yeah. is loosely based off of, which is David Copperfield by Charles Dickens, like you mentioned, right. Dickens. And I have not read that, but you have.
1: I have, yeah. And so really, um, I mean, I would say in terms of loosely based, I would say yes and no. I mean, I feel like... It's it's very it's very specific in terms of the direction of the plot and particularly the analogous characters. We, I mean, we have almost every single character that is in Demon Copperhead is a representation of a character from Uh, David Copperfield and so much so that the names are derived from Mm -hmm. those original characters. So um, I'm going to go over just a few. So obviously, Demon Copperhead is David Copperfield and his name is actually um, Damon Fields, but um, he is known as Demon Copperhead due to his copper wire hair and some version of attitude. So that's a quote from the novel. We don't ever know his mother's name, but obviously that is a direct parallel to David Copperfield's mother, Clara. Demon's stepfather, Stoner, is uh, Merle Stone. We have um, the Peggots, Nance Pegget, who is the next door neighbor and really provides the only stability that Demon knows is based on Clara Peggotty. So I just, and then we have, you know, Hammerhead Kelly, who is Ham Peggotty. Matt Peggot is um, the nephew. Um, we have like just so Emily. Emmy is Emily um, Sterling Ford, who is fast forward, is based on James Steerforth. So I mean, we have Tommy Waddle and Tommy Traddles. It's very very specific um, parallels. So um, again, if you haven't read David Copperfield, it won't necessarily be as profound. But kind of my point in bringing this up is just that they it it truly is a modern retelling. Um, So the two biggest differences, obviously, are going to be our setting, which is that David Copperfield is set in mid-19th century London, whereas Demon Copperhead is set in the late 20th century um, Appalachia. Appalachia. Right. Um, As well as the nature of... um, Sort of the tragedies that would befall Demon as related to David. Um, both of them grow up in poverty and both of them end up orphans and uh, are sort of put upon by those in their lives. Um, the characters of Stoner and Stone are very similar in their mistreatment, like a stepfather who mistreats the child and ostracizes the child. But ultimately, when we're looking at the addiction aspect, that is unique to. Demon Copperhead. Um, David's uh, sort of misfortunes have more to do with um, the dishonesty of those that he comes in contact with and his abject poverty.
0: Oh, gotcha. So, yeah. yeah. That was not a book that I read in high school or anything. I think that was like one of the... I think we read Great Expectations and mm. A Tale of Two Cities. Mm, were those like are our both high school great reads. Too. Right. Yeah. But we missed this one. So I didn't have anything to connect to the original, but it's interesting to see how... The names specifically, it's like almost everything's like a play on words to kind of yep. make those connections. But yeah. that's super interesting. There's like a ton of characters in these books. So we have a list in front of us of all the comparisons and they're seeing it on paper. It just feels like there were way more characters than I remember <laughs> there being.
1: Yeah. Even but the little side characters have their parallel. Their parallel part. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we definitely want to, you know, applaud her for, you know, getting that specific. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, uh, some retellings can be very loose, right? Mm -hmm. And I think in some ways you have to kind of take some creative liberties to make it more applicable to a certain time or place. But she did a great job just based on everything that you're showing me Mm -hmm. uh, with, you know, drawing the the bridge between old and new. Uh, And so, you know, this particular story did have a lot to unpack as far as trauma, right? So one thing I did want to share that you shared with me right after we were done reading the book is a critical review that you came across on the internet, which I felt in my soul when I read it. And it applied to really, it kind of summed up what I was already feeling, but in someone else's words. So
1: yeah.
0: um, this is a critical review written by Lorraine Barry of the Boston Globe, who's local to us. We love our Boston people. And she criticized the novel as being, in her words, poverty porn. Uh, and her argument states, quote, in seeking to raise awareness of child hunger and poverty in the United States, Kingsolver turns her character's lives into tales of misery and the inevitability of failure. Her characters wallow in dark hollows with little light, condemned to forever repeat the horrific mistakes of previous generations. She makes the people of Appalachia into objects of pity, but in doing so, also intimates that falling into drug abuse, rejecting education, and clinging to their ways are moral choices, end quote. And I just could not agree more with that. Um, you, when you shared it with me, I was so happy because here's the thing. This book, beautifully written. I mean, sh- and it's uh, it's like, how can you say a book that's covers so much dark and sadness can be beautifully written? But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's so true. You can see that. Barbara is an excellent writer. Right. I mean, you felt I felt so many emotions reading this book. Yeah. And
1: and I mean, and as we said in our teaser from our last episode, this book just won the Pulitzer Prize for 2022 for right. fiction. So I mean, this is a, you know, a critically, you know, a critical masterpiece, basically. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I, I agree with that. 100%. She's a She deserved that Pulitzer Prize for this book, 100%. And I think a few other people that we talked to... So side note, we read this with our book club that does meet in person. It's something that we have fun doing. And the the mixed reviews that we got... I mean, pretty much everyone loved this book. Everyone that I've talked to that has read this book loves this book. And I agree with that. This is a great book. I just felt like it was... I felt down. I felt down and I never felt as I was reading this book, that I saw a silver lining or like a light at the end of the tunnel where I know that our character is going through something tragic, but hey, we have a light at the end of the tunnel. This is going to get better. There's something to look forward to. And I was so sad Mm -hmm. (laughs) the whole time that I was reading this book. And it really reminded me of another author, which I'm not going to call out here, but I am going to just mention that her books are hard for me to get through because they just feel so down and Mm -hmm. somber and it's like like you just feel like heavy after you're reading it and for me that's hard it's hard for me to read books like that i think that they're necessary and i think it is important to bring light to things like poverty and you know this book touches upon so many things that are still issues in 2023 right like it's so relevant uh foster care being a big theme you know or a big topic in this book but i just felt like I, it felt like a chore to read at some parts because it was so heavy. Right. Not because it wasn't a beautiful book, and because it wasn't worth reading. It just felt like I, I felt heavy and I felt triggered, and I was like, okay. But when I finished it, I was like, yes, because I needed to. I wanted to get it done. Um, it just, it definitely triggered me. Mm-hmm. I was triggered reading this book. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a hard read, but it's a good read, and. And I, um, I understand what you're saying. I mean, I do get a sense of satisfaction is a better way for me to say it from books like this. I can't necessarily say enjoyment or pleasure because it's a very difficult subject matter. But when I read books like this that are so well written and are able to articulate things that I in, in such a way that I, I myself cannot, um, it. I feel like it grows me and changes me as a reader, but also as a person. Mm-hmm. And as a, I guess I should say, you know, like as someone who's working toward um, an advanced degree in literature as as a scholar, I feel like it um, grows me in that way. But I can't spend too much time on literature like this without a break because it is emotionally and mentally taxing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it ends up being... Uh, it it does change you, but it is very heavy mm. to get to that end resolution or that end feeling of catharsis, where you're like, okay, this, I'm, I'm a different person after reading this book, and this is a great thing. But the journey to get there is like, whew, no. okay, I needed I needed breaks from this book, where I felt like I could read something lighthearted, and I ended up having a bit of a book hangover. But you know, it's to me, it's worth it because if it's going to bring up conversations of you know, these topics that might not be talked about as much. And I think that's worth it. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, she definitely deserved the Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. You don't I need mean, me to say that, but. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. And she this is a fairly, you know, um, it, it's a relatively small uh, subsection of American culture that most people who are not in that geographic region are very familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up kind of on the outskirts of this. I grew up in Kentucky, but not technically in Appalachia, not in coal mining country. So it was kind of on my periphery. Um, But we have a friend in our book club who grew up in this area, Mm -hmm. and she loved this book, rated it five stars, and felt like King Solver very accurately depicted and captured the struggles of those people.
0: Yeah. So. And that was so interesting because this friend of ours, I didn't know that she grew up in that area. She's like, "Yep, I lived there over 10 years and she was able to bring so much context mm-hmm. for us to understand and I really appreciated that because I have no idea. I'm I'm a, I'm in New England minding my own business sometimes. I have mm-hmm. no idea what's going on in other parts of the country and I'm like, that's kind of embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I feel like it's good to to get that knowledge and understanding, uh, and so as we kind of d- discuss this book, I mean there were there's a lot that happens plot wise, and I feel like it we almost can't do it justice by going you know usually we do such a deep dive that we're hitting yeah, up as line many item plot by points, line item, yeah, and I didn't feel like we could do that with this book, although we have them. But a c- couple things that I wanted to talk about, if that's okay, sure. So my the first thing that triggered me with this book that was so so hard for me to get through was Demon's relationship with his mom. Mm. And, you know, having this abusive stepfather, I grew up with an abusive stepfather. So I, in my mind, I'm like reading this book and I'm just like, flashbacks are going through my head and like memories that I kind of, I'm like, wow, I definitely stuffed those deep down. <laughs> and I think it was good. It was good to to push through, but that was like the first time that I was reading that I was like "Ooh, this like hits a little too close to home for me and so I guess my issue was I felt so bad for demon
1: Mm, you know what I mean
0: I I just felt it felt like he I just can't imagine children being put in that position I mean and I was a child that was put in a very similar position and it's just as a now as a parent Mm -hmm. I just can't fathom it yeah you know and and I do realize like in my journey as a mother that you are constantly breaking those generational curses that mm-hmm. I talk about. I think I've talked about that when we read Hello, Hello Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. And it's, I was just so upset reading that because it, it is so real. Yeah. Like I felt like she captured that so well and in so many ways. And I'm probably going to butcher this word, but it's like the parentification of children. Mm. Have you heard of that term?
1: So where children end up taking care of their parents. Right. Or like, you
0: know, they end up having to take this like caregiver role. And Mm -hmm. it's like, I saw that in him so much. And I saw that in myself as a child, like having to set the alarm clocks or making sure that there was food and like, Mm -hmm. what are we going to eat? And what are we going to do? And do I have clean clothes for school? And no one's waking me up to get on that bus. So I better do it myself. Like all of that. Um, it's like that lack of parental structure that you end up taking on, but then it goes a step further when you're actually having to like be the responsible one. Like right. he's setting his mom's yeah. alarm clock. Right. So that she can get up and go to work.
1: Well, and we also have the perspective or the caveat here too, that his mother is an addict. He's, she, he's born while she is passed out from either alcohol or drugs. And so not only is she, you know, childlike in that she's not able to be responsible and have food in the house and wake up for work. But he's also making sure she doesn't OD, you know, cleaning her up after a bender, you know, things like that. So not only, you know, being a parent, but actually like cleaning up after her and, you know, just this whole other level that is. Yeah.
0: And it happens. Yeah. You know, it happens and it's really tough it's really, really tough. I, I was really struggling reading that. Um, and it and I was happy that he had the Peggets. That made me really happy mm-hmm. for him. They disappointed me at times during the book. Yeah. Uh, but it was nice because some kids may not have any light in their world. And for him to even have a little bit of that, I felt I was glad for him, you mm-hmm. know, because I can't it's not always like that. And that makes me sad for like the forgotten kids, you know, sure. the ones that may not have anybody to reach out. And so, but I mean, again, they disappointed me later on um, after, you know, his mom does eventually overdose mm-hmm. and doesn't make it. But I think her relationship with stoner really, I-, I feel like she mom lost control of her relationship. And then at least she loved you know, Mm -hmm. even though she's not a perfect person, I think up until Stoner comes into the picture, at least she's still in her heart of hearts had the right, Mm -hmm. the right ideas. Yeah. But then Stoner comes in and he's just like this abusive, like, oh, no, we're, you know, we're going to do it my way. And
1: well, as as much as we get as the reader, because this is all told from Damon's perspective, I kind of got the impression that, I'm um, sorry, I'm kind of interchanging Damon and Demon. Yeah, so they both same work. Same thing. Um, but we kind of get the impression that Stoner may have been love bombing her. And so he may not have. He most likely, did not show his true nature until they were married.
0: Yeah, which so, is very a, classic very common and abuse. In or, abuse yeah. Yes,
1: so but I think that in her own way, as much as someone who we can only assume was brought up very much in the same way that she was bringing up, demon did not have any positive role models at all in her life, most notably a father figure, and so did not have anything to model her own relationships after. And I think she probably did see or in, at least hope that stoner would provide stability. Like mm-hmm. maybe demon needs a man in his life. He'll, he, maybe he'll, you know, provide money. He'll mm-hmm. provide us with more that, you know, so I, I don't necessarily think that her motivation for being in a relationship with Stoner was 100% selfish. I do think that in some, you know, weird, twisted way, it probably was. She was hoping that it would make life better for Demon. And of course, it made life worse for both of them.
0: Right. Absolutely. Because it pretty much, I mean, once he, you know, moves in and lays down the law, it's just like things just get worse with every chapter
1: well and his mom had been clean for a fairly significant period of time and the stress that was created by stoner's abuse caused her to relapse
0: right right which is just a such a tragedy yeah and so you know i think we can probably um
1: Well, and he also, we want to say too, like, Stoner drives a wedge between, um, Demon and the Peggots. Yes. Because, that's what I was um, just going to, I was
0: thinking. Yeah. (laughs) This one,
1: yeah. This one, you know, family that is providing stability and love. And, um, he, he doesn't like that. He wants to be in full control. He also doesn't like, um, Demon's best friend, Maggot, because he suspects that Maggot is gay and Mm -hmm. so is very cruel. Um, towards Maggot and says terrible things about him to Demon. Um, so, yeah, this, you know, this one bright spot in his life is snuffed out by Stoner.
0: Right, right. Which I is such a, again, just classic abuser mm-hmm. behavior over here from Stoner. And unfortunately, I think even if Demon's mom at this point, I mean, you can't, I think you can have willful blindness in some regards, like of course, she was being love bombed, but eventually you start to realize, like, this is not okay, right? And I think that that's such a hard area to navigate. Like, once you figure out that you're in a relationship that is not that great, and mm-hmm. suddenly all the red flags that you know sometimes you overlook and you think, okay, maybe this is not, yeah, but you know, it all comes to head, and Stoner ends up physically abusing Demon and he calls 911.
1: Yeah, I think it's a combination, though, of him being physical, but also his mother is passed out, oh. and, and he's afraid that she is going to die. Okay, yep, you're right. And I think doesn't I think Stoner even says something like, "You better not call nine one one because he." I think he warns him. Maybe I'm re- misremembering. But when Demon decides to make that step and get the um, authorities involved. That's when the, the foster right. care.
0: Yeah, because she ends up going to treatment.
1: Right. And... Because when they bring her in and realize. And and then Demon says he doesn't want to go with Stoner. And Stoner accuses the Peggots of sexual abuse. So he yeah. can't go live with them. Oh, my god! So he has yeah. to go to the foster home. He has to go to the
0: foster home. Which yeah. this whole time period of him being in and out of foster home.
1: It was, it was heartbreaking.
0: Oh, my gosh, like I, I couldn't even.
1: But I will say, I want to say the one thing that I was like, thank God it didn't go there was I was so worried that he was going to be sexually assaulted or molested in the foster homes, oh, especially the yep. first one. I was afraid that the old man, Mr. Crickson. Yeah, the, creep,
0: the yeah, creepy guy.
1: I was so afraid that he because it talked about how he only took in boys and, we yeah. had, you know, for his farm work. And it turned out to be that that was just he needed boys to work his farm. But I was so thankful that it did not go to that extent. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that would have, I mean, yeah, that would have, how could it get worse, right? But Mm. it's like, yeah, I guess it always can get a little worse. I was really thankful about that too. And I think at at one point I thought it could, just like you did. And then when it didn't, and I was like, all right, I guess he's just going to pick Tobacco and overdose on tobacco, <laughs> and that's that's where we're going in this in this home. But yeah. that whole situation with like, the, the, I mean, he w- ended up being in a few different hos- foster homes, right? Mm-hmm. To me, I just couldn't believe that there was not a single adult that was aware or mm-hmm. helpful
1: in that yeah. entire situation. Well, and I mean, I think that when Demon is originally taken to Creaky's house, the social worker we kind of get the sense that she's aware that this is not a good situation, but her hands are kind of tied. Like, what is she going to do, right? Because she has no physical evidence. This is kind of the way the system works. And, you know, there's nowhere else for him, basically, Right. right? And so she's just crossing the T's and dotting the I's and leaving him there, even though she really doesn't want to. And it's almost like, It's so difficult for her to do it that she has to kind of delude herself into thinking – she has to sort of put on blinders.
0: Yeah. Which is awful. And the kids in that home – I I had a soft spot for the one that does the drawings. I can't remember his name now. Tommy? Tommy, yeah. yeah. And then there was – the football player which yeah, is fast forward, fast forward mm-hmm. the names really yeah. <laughs> yeah i guess that's always a, like a pain point for me when i'm reading is like <laughs> characters names now that i'm rethinking yeah. every episode we've done
1: but and I mean, there was the little boy who was living there too i mean he wasn't he was a li- physically little but he wasn't a little boy swap out who yes. was a fetal alcohol syndrome baby yeah and so he obviously was you know um had some developmental problems mm-hmm. and needed help that he was never going to get. Right, right. So,
0: And here uh, we have our first introduction to kind of, you know, that little bit of drug lifestyle. They mm-hmm. have those farm parties and, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, fast forward is a jerk. He's, a, he's a jerk. He's like taking yeah. the ten, the last $10 out of uh, Demon's pocket and, you know, his way of, you know, kind of paying them back is to like give them drugs. And I just, he was such a jerk. <laughs> he was such a jerk till the end, yeah. but... Yeah, I couldn't. That made me sad. And I know that we end up, you know, drug addiction ends up being such a big part of this book, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of in the beginning of what seems like time-wise is the beginning of the opioid crisis, really, right? um, which we'll see a little bit later on. But it just felt like the loss of innocence happens so early. Like this demon's loss of innocence doesn't even happen by the time he gets to the creakies. Like it's already happened. Yeah. But just to see it continue. And like yeah. the fact that there's not a single adult that's looking around and thinking, wow, this is not OK. This is yeah. not good for these children. And I mean, I don't even think of- we've
1: said like at this point, he's only 10 years old. right? So he's 10 years old, separated from his mother, separated from his only friends in these foster homes, still going to the same school because he's still in the same county. So still, you know, seeing friends at school and whatnot, but j- living this completely different life,
0: right? Just um, yeah. completely, you know. He's he's a he's dirty. You know, he lives in yeah. a filthy house. And I just, yeah. And then you know, the peggots still try to visit, and I mean, here's where I start to get mad at the peggots is that she goes to Creaky's, she sees how she lives, and then later on when he he's like, please take me in, she's like, I'm really sorry, but. No, mm-hmm. that crushed me because I know it would have been an inconvenience for her, and I know that it would have been a commitment that she probably felt like she was told to make. But I just, I, I, hope that I would make a different decision if, right. I, if confronted with that, just because I can't imagine like seeing how this young child has lived. And knowing that that's probably what they're going to go back to, right? Yeah. And
1: yeah, it's this weird sort of dichotomy because, you know, in that Southern culture, there is this sort of idea that like, everybody's business is your business and we're, we all help each other out. We're a village. But there is also this other side of it that is, I don't get involved in that because it's not my business. And so I feel like Mrs. Peggett, she kind of went away that I didn't really expect based on the fact that she was there at Demon's birth. Yeah. She had been there all along. And I don't feel like it was so much a case of, well, I can't take in every stray cat that comes to my door. You know, like this is a child that she's known since day one. Mm-hmm. Um, We didn't mention the fact that uh, right before Stoner and Demon's mom get married, um, the Peggots had taken him on vacation with them right, to Knoxville. Right. That's where he meets... um uh is it emmy or emily and this what's where he meets emmy yeah Um, Yep. and so um you know he he was a a big part of their lives it wasn't like just you know this this you know random kid who needed someone so i i was surprised and a little disappointed
0: i was i was i was mad i was mad at them i'm like (laughs) really because then, I mean, so he spends some time at, he spends a good amount of time at Creekies and then ends up going with the second family, which is the Co- McConnell's. Well,
1: before that, um, his mom dies.
0: Oh, geez. So, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: So refresh my memory. She, t- she tells Demon that she's pregnant. Yes. Does with, she? Does she have a miscarriage, or did she get an abortion? No. She. She dies while she's pregnant. pregnant. Yeah. Okay, because okay. at the
0: funeral, Demon's like, I didn't just lose my mom. I lost my yeah. my sibling, okay. my, my brother or sister. Okay. And I think that at the funeral, if I recall, no one really addresses the loss of this baby. But Demon is like,
1: he's he internalizes
0: that so much because mm-hmm. in his mind, he's like, always wanted a sibling. So like, right. not only has he lost, and he not to mention he has this loss on his birthday.
1: Right. So on it's his like eleventh. Now day. he'll never,
0: for, you know, he'll never have, I feel like, a birthday to look forward to again because it will always be that, you know, yeah. underlying, just yeah. horrific, tragic
1: death. And, and that, that's the point when the Peggots take him back to Knoxville again after the funeral. They go he, for Christmas. Uh, I think that's right. He, sees, he finds out that their daughter, June, has adopted Emmy, who yes. is their niece, the daughter of their dead son. And um, that's when he starts to think, oh, well, then the Peggots could adopt me, and that's right. when, and that's when she tells him, no, we can't do that, right?
0: But that so. whole trip, the vibe was off because mm-hmm. he knew that he was not wanted on this vacation. Like maggots, like oh, yeah, you can come, like I'm sure that you're welcome, and but
1: no, he wasn't the, the really... vibe was off,
0: and no one really wanted him yeah. there. Which I feel like is such an awful feeling as a kid to be like unwanted by you're people that you wheel. also think that you know you yeah. think that they care and love for you, which I know that they did, yeah. but. That feeling of being unwanted was so oh, I mm-hmm. was I was hurting for him. And yeah, so he ends up going to- I'm sorry. So is it Macabre? That's, that's the yeah, next that's that's Yeah, the Macabre family, right? is the next
1: foster house yep. where they try to keep up the appearance of being wealthy, but really they're living outside their means. Oh, and my And so gosh. they barely feed him. He has to sleep in the laundry room. And this is where even more so than when he was living with Creaky, like, his um, hygiene just tanks because he has n- – no one's doing his laundry. He doesn't have cl- in, b- any clothes. Right. He's, you know, not – keeping himself clean and they don't care. And so he's being ridiculed at school. Right. And his self-esteem is just awful.
0: Right. And Mr. McCobb is like, all right, gentlemen, how are you? Or, you know, little little man, 10 years old, how are you going to support this family and makes Mm -hmm. them go to work? And it's like,
1: yeah, I'm just so... His job is picking through junk um, outside a meth lab. Yeah.
0: Just a casual part-time job for a 10-year-old. No big deal. Which then he ends up seeing... um, the young guy from Creaky's who works there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I can't even remember his name now.
1: Are we talking about Tommy or fast forward? Fast
0: forward. Okay. Not, not the football player. So, Tommy. No, not Tommy. Oh, yeah, oh, no.
1: oh swap out. Swap out. Okay, works there. Okay. Yes, yes. That's right.
0: Sorry, you're so much better with the name. Sorry. Yeah, no, but that was just like another situation where I couldn't believe that this family is like they have children of their mm-hmm. own. The children had more empathy.
1: For demon right. and the
0: adults, right. and the adults are just doing all this crazy nonsense, all these MLM schemes, making no money, taking all the foster money to basically fund their fake life. Right. And thankfully, demon finally snaps and says, "Hey, people know I live with you, and right. my my appearance and my thoughts
1: reflects on yeah, you. Yeah, it reflects
0: on you." And finally, she goes to buy him some new clothes, and right. you know that was just another situation where I just couldn't believe that they're just there's not a single adult that is paying attention or if they are they're just like eh. because i mean i feel like even the peggins could have at least called dss no like if they see that he's struggling like i just i mean but what could dss i don't know i don't know what the answer is but to me it's just like how many how many adults in one book can fail one child so yeah severely like and i I, this stuff happens all the time totally it's not just in this book um which is a work of fiction. It's actually happening in real mm-hmm. life all based, the time. based
1: on real events.
0: Based on real events, right? So, you know, I I don't even want to f- feel like I want to spend too much time there because we we know how it turns out. Right, it's not things are not going well, but.
1: They run out of money and they, they split. Yeah, and, they and Demon, split. And Demon's like, I'm going to go find my dead dad's mom.
0: Yeah. <laughs> my right, my which, grandmother. My grandmother. Which we haven't really talked about dad too much. We know that he passed away at the devil's we, bathtub. We don't know that
1: yet. We just know that he died before, um, before Demon was born. But we, don't, we
0: know that he died in the devil's bathtub because Demon is afraid of bodies of water, but yet he's always wanted to see the ocean.
1: I think we... I think maybe we know he drowned, but I think it's later when he finds out it was actually Devil's Bathtub. I
0: think he knew all along, but I'd have to go back. Now I'd have to. I mean, I have my book at the
1: Okay. Either way, he drowned in the Devil's Bathtub.
0: Yes. Which comes (laughs) back into play later, the location. But, you know, he goes through this whole tragic, like, 10, 11-year-old child, you know, thumbing it across state lines, trying to get to his paternal grandmother's house, a hooker Manages to swindle him for all his money. Steals which his
1: money at a truck stop. I was
0: so, I was human. I'm like, are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, I was like,
1: it's one thing if it's a grown man who knows better, but come on, a kid.
0: Yeah, I was just, I couldn't even believe it. I'm like, again, this is where I got to the point where I'm like, all right, nothing good is happening to this kid. Like, he's right. just gonna suffer and suffer yeah. and suffer. But we, we, we digress. He ends up meeting his paternal grandmother. He ends up spending some time with her, getting to know her. Yeah. Um. I, I I. think we don't have to spend too much time there. I think the end result is that she's, she loves him. She's happy that he came, but she's not really equipped to raise him. She kind of seems like she, she has she's
1: not, tr- yeah, she doesn't want to take it. She takes in little girls outside yeah. the foster system. Cause she yeah. recognizes it's a broken system, but she's not willing to take him in because he's a boy. Something has happened, uh, yeah. whether it's like something that happened between her and his father, her son, or something. So she's like, "I'm. I'll find a place for you, but it can't be here." Exactly. And so she finds a place for him, actually, back in Lee County with the football coach.
0: Yep, which is ends up being a great,
1: yeah, opportunity
0: for him. Like, I mean that that was a good. That was good.
1: That was a good run.
0: That was a good run for him. You know, he's now playing football. He he's has, doing well
1: in school. He's doing
0: well in school. Like, it just seems like he's on the up and up. He his. I don't want to say sister because it kind of ends up being like right. a weird at the end, yeah. but Angus is kind of standoffish to him at first, but she ends up warming up to him. They have this like friendship where he, yeah. and he has a home and you know, she takes some shopping and she's like, Oh, we're getting the brand name stuff. Yeah. You're, you're not wearing this those. You're wearing some Nikes. Yeah. Like she's this just is the
1: coach's daughter. She's kind of a tomboy, yep. but she and demons sort of have this you know, camaraderie. Yep. So, yeah. and he
0: ends up, I mean, he ends up then, um, coming back in touch with Fast Forward, who's the football player from Creakies because mm-hmm. he had been a football star. So now they have this like right. new friendship.
1: He uh, also reconnects with Maggot, who now is sort of more like embracing this part of himself that is not straight. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. And he's wearing makeup and he's dressing goth. Yeah. Um, so he's not necessarily um, one of the popular kids at school, but he's sort of owning who he is. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: And then, I mean, I, I really, from that point on, it's it kind of, it's, it's, what happens isn't much, but it's everything, right? right? So he has this, he ends up meeting this love of his life, right? The Dory. I
1: don't know if I'd call her the love of his life. Like, he lo- he loves he her. Yes. He's, he's infatuated. His first love. Yeah, his first well, love. Well, maybe after Emmy, because he did kind of have a crush on Emmy. He did
0: have a crush on Emmy, But yeah, Dory ends yes. up
1: being his true first love. Yeah. Um, Who's taking care of her, like, ill, failing health father.
0: Yeah, who owns the kind of, like, hardware store where... Demon works part-time mm-hmm. after school or in between football seasons. He needs yeah. something to fill his time. But he ends up having what which I think is like the most pivotal part of the book is that he ends up having this really severe football yep. injury. Yep. And after the injury, under you know doctor advisement starts getting pumped with opioids and yep. painkillers. Yep. And here we see just the the first or I I would say like the final decline of his life. Right. Before, you
1: know, right. Well, this, this is what sets in motion like his own, you know, struggles. His with own demise, right? Obviously, he's predisposed to it because of his mother's struggles and what he grew up in. But this is the first time that drug use for him becomes an addiction rather than a recreational practice. Um, you know, where from the transitioning from like the farm parties at Creaky's house. Right, um, and it's Dory then who introduces him to fentanyl. Was that something she had because of her father? She or? had
0: these fentanyl patches, yeah. Okay. That she would steal from her father, yeah. and, she, and she would sell them. They'd. So this, I I guess, from a plot perspective, this is probably the second area of the book that really upset me so mm. much. And I mean. Again, personal, but we've we've lost friends to opioid addiction, so mm-hmm. it's just hits so close to home. And I think what kind of bothered me about this was that although Demon had used drugs recreationally, his demise as far as true drug addiction wasn't even really his fault.
1: Mm, you know, right. he had
0: this injury. He's taking medication as prescribed. Yeah, He's trying to heal from this, you know, life-changing injury, right? I mean, right. his football career is over, and these scumbag sorry is no that, it's is true. That okay it's true uh, we don't really swear on this podcast but uh, I, I wouldn't scumb- call that yeah, a swear d- all right but, yeah. but these scumbag doctors man are just prescribing these pills yeah and at this point i mean i haven't done i mean any- i'm
1: not even sure at this point in history if they truly understood just how addictive these um these medications were well this I, I mean, this certainly is early they, 2000s, right? Uh, Maybe. I thought it was. I thought, yeah, maybe late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, I think it's early 2000s. So I think it was the research was just coming out about. I mean, I think obviously like they knew they had addictive potential, but yeah. I don't think they realized quite how profound it was. Right,
0: right. Yeah. But I mean, this doctor ends up creating that pain clinic, too. Mm-hmm. So he has like this whole clientele of like people that are coming to get their face. For sure. It, I just I just. Uh, I was just disgusted with reading about that in a hit close to home for me. And I just, I felt like I felt so bad for Demon because not that it would have made it better if he had come to that in a different way, but it's like he did not seek this out for right, himself. You right. know, he was, it not, wasn't
1: irresponsible yeah, behavior. It wasn't irresponsible
0: yeah. behavior at all. And it's, you know, then he has this like toxic relationship with Dory that's all based on drugs. And then he becomes her caregiver because she seems like she just, you know, she loses her dad and then spirals. Yeah. into drugs so heavily right. that it's like he's basically caring for
1: her. Right. Well their well. relationship becomes completely codependent because he he wants to try to get clean, but he just can't imagine leaving her. He can't see a way out of the relationship because she's addicted. And so they basically just sort of wallow in their addictions together.
0: Yeah. I was yeah. just This is such a heavy book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is such a heavy book. And I feel like from a plot perspective, like there's so many other things that happen in this book. But I felt like for me, the biggest takeaways were how horrible child protective services can be sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say I, I know people that work in that field that I highly, highly respect. And I know that they're they're the they're the changers of the game, right? They're going to sure. go in and they have the right heart. And I just like wonder if everybody starts out that way and then gets broken down by such a system. That's like I don't know. Do you know what I'm trying to no, say? No, I like, know what I you're just, saying. I hope that yeah. the people that I know that do it like will yeah. always forever. Yeah, so I mean, it's and, not
1: something that can be changed overnight. It's also something that if the people who don't really care and who aren't really going to work toward making a difference don't stick it out, it won't ever change. Right. So,
0: yeah. And I, again, I, I felt like this episode, this book was just so heavy that I felt like it was really hard for us to touch upon every single plot point. Like we know that there's things that happen that kind of, you know, other deaths and mm-hmm. other just significant plot uh, details. I felt like, it was more important, I think, for us in this episode to almost, like, linger on the trigger warnings because mm-hmm. they're such important topics and they were so difficult for me to get through. Yeah. Um, and I I really did struggle with this book. This is the first book that we've done so far that I, I really struggled with this book. And I hope that if anyone else is listening <laughs> um, that struggled with this book or felt really triggered by anything like you're not alone. Yeah, it was really hard for me to get through this book. And I'm glad we read it, though.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think it's worth noting, too. I mean, the goal of our podcast is to read a lot of different books Mm -hmm. from a lot of different authors who have a lot of different backgrounds, different genres. And so we're, you know, we're going to read some heavy books, but we're also going to read some fun books and some happy books and some bad books, probably. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's it's a it's a wide range. Yeah,
0: yeah, quite a Quite a difference from
1: Throne of Glass. Throne of
0: Glass last week, and yeah. The
1: Maidens, and Hello Beautiful. They've all yeah, been very different. They've so all far. been
0: very different. Yeah. But I agree with you. It was. I definitely felt that it was. I'm glad that we did this book, especially right on the cusp of her winning her Pulitzer Prize. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do think that the ending was good. I know that we didn't touch upon anything or on everything. Excuse me, but I, I was happy that he does end up finding his sobriety. Yeah. He ends up you know, seeking treatment. He, uh, you know, well,
1: and I mean, I think we do want to just at least quickly say that how that all comes about is a very, a very, I mean, it's a series of several major events Mm -hmm. that, you know, he's thinking about trying to leave Dory, but can't figure it out. Um, Meanwhile, he reconnects with Tommy. And so even through his addiction, demon is still trying to, um, you know, he he has this idea for this comic strip. And so he's still still trying to better himself. Mm-hmm. Tommy helps him anonymously publish it. It's doing really well. That's when he finds out that Dory is pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so there's sort of another, you know uh metaphorical nail in the coffin of not feeling like he can leave. Mm-hmm. Um and then we also find out that Fast Forward and Emmy had been dating mm-hmm. and this is um the Peggett's niece and granddaughter. Mm-hmm. And so um and we find out Fast Forward is actually a terrible person who mm-hmm. is exploitative and abusive and he has gotten Emmy involved in sex work as and his drug sales business. And he's been using her basically to sell out for sex to his bosses in Atlanta. And it's when Demon goes with June, Emmy's aunt who adopted her, to get her in Atlanta, that he starts to really consider how can I, you know, June tries to convince him to go to rehab. When he sees Emmy just, you know, at rock bottom, that's when he starts to think, I've got to do something. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: It was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. And then, you know, And that
1: that's where I thought that Demon found out about um his father drowning at Devil's Bathtub. No,
0: because he okay. was he did not want to go there. He okay. was forced to go there because they end up wanting to seek revenge on Fast Forward. So they know that he's gonna be swimming. Remember Fast Forward? But that, like,
1: but that happens after the trip to Atlanta. Because um Dory da- they go to Atlanta to get Emmy. They come and and June says, you know, your dad drowned at Devil's Bathtub. They bring Emmy back. And Dory miscarries and ODs, and then that's when um, her ex boyfriend Hammer and Demon and Maggot all go to get revenge on Fast Forward.
0: I think he knew all along. I now I'm gonna have to. I'm. I I
1: disagree with you. (laughs) Maybe I'm wrong. No,
0: maybe I'm wrong. It's been
1: a little while since I read it. Yeah, we
0: did read this a couple of weeks ago, and then we had to take a break before recording again. But yeah. Let us know in the comments. Okay. Yeah, that. I mean, it doesn't change anything, right? Either he way, He ends yes. up having to go and kind of face his fears with that. I knew yeah. that he, the whole book, he wants to see an ocean, and he never sees it in, in our understanding of the story. Mm-hmm. I would like to think that he gets there with Angus at the end. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, because that's how the book ends. They drive yeah. off into the distance.
1: Yeah.
0: The ocean's on the horizon. Yeah. He does, does get a little bit. Fast
1: forward kind of gets what he deserves to, though, when they yeah. go to confront him at Devil's Bathtub. So fast forward and Hammer both end up dying. Um at Devil's Bathtub. And then Maggot ends up getting charged with being an accomplice. Yeah. He's sent to Juvie, which forces him, because he's gotten addicted to meth in the meantime. So
0: many addictions. So
1: that's, he's kind of forced to rehab because he's in Juvie for two years. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, that's what all sort of like, Demon finally decides to take June up on her offer mm-hmm. of getting him into rehab. So yeah. So I, I do feel like, you know, it, yes, it was hard and yes, it was dark and there was a lot of self-sabotage and there was a lot of um, just sort of repetitive, um, d- destructive behavior, but it does end on a note of hope.
0: Yeah, and I did like that. I it was it was just heavy. That's mm-hmm. all. Something that we didn't touch upon, which I think we should just briefly mm-hmm. before we wrap up our our deep dive, is that there was some child abuse in this book too. With, yeah, with Maggot. Yes, with his mom's situation. Which yeah. You know, if you read the book, you, you know, I don't think I need to re- reiterate any of it. But I was just like, oh, my gosh, yeah, this book. Yeah. Maggot's
1: mother was I mean, in prison for the entirety of the book because she had gone after her boyfriend after he, he had want, gone too far one day. Yeah. With the, so, and it wasn't like actual, like, um, I don't know how to say Like, it wasn't abuse in terms of, like, beating or hitting the baby, but. Neglect. It, neglect. And putting her in a position where she couldn't get to the baby to help him or meet his needs. Yes. So abuse of both of them. Oh
0: my gosh, I was yeah. just—I did not cry with this book, which surprised me. But I just felt so numb reading it that mm, I think that I didn't—I really didn't have any tears to dredge up at that point. Yeah. Oh, what a book.
1: Yeah. I think I said murder, but it was attempted murder of her boyfriend. But yeah, so that that ties it up for Maggot at the end. You know, he and his mother are both out of prison. Yeah, they reunite. Queen, living together. Emmy's clean. Yeah. Living in a halfway house. And Demon realizes he's in love with Angus. And he um, and she go off to the ocean. Yeah. I think that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah, I th- we didn't go as in depth maybe as we have in the past with our other books, but I feel like the really the main things that we wanted to talk about had less to do with the intric- intricacies <laughs> of the plot and more to do with the themes.
0: Yeah, it was so. it was such a heavy book. Mm-hmm. I said that probably 35 <laughs> times in this <laughs> podcast episode, and I apologize yeah. for being repetitive. I just, I can't describe it any other way. It just, I felt jilted. Mm. I didn't feel, and I didn't feel as a reader that I had a true sense of catharsis. Mm -hmm. I feel like the characters might have, but for me, I just ended up feeling like Eeyore. This was a sad book. (laughs) That's literally just what I kept thinking, but it's Mm well-written. I do recommend anyone to read this book, and I think that there is a lot to gain, especially in the conversations that can be had regarding Mm -hmm. the themes of this book. But my goodness, I will be okay if I just read fluffy books for the next six months (laughs) to a year because I'm gonna. And our
1: next book is kind of fluffy. Yes, and we'll talk about that in a minute.
0: We will. Let's first do our Goodreads. Yep. So Goodreads, as of today, which is Tuesday, May thirtieth, has Demon Copperhead listed at four point five three, which I think is deserved. Yep. I gave it. I gave it a three on Goodreads, but I, I don't but think I think right. that might have
1: been a knee-jerk reaction because I was here, right, as you were finishing the book. Oh, yeah, you were here. Yeah, and you here. came down the stairs and you're like, I give it a three. But that might have just <laughs> been your initial knee-jerk hot take. Right? Yeah, I think that's
0: a super hot take. I think <laughs> I'd probably give it like between, you know, I would probably say 3.5, but I would round up to four okay. because it was so beautifully written and it's not her fault that I'm like struggling with the content, you know, Mm -hmm. that's not her problem. But right. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. Because so when we were covering this book for book club, I just couldn't get it done in time. So I think all my guests were showing up to book club and I was like, gotta go guys, gotta go finish last like 20 pages of this book, help yourselves to some, you know, hot dogs or whatever we were eating. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What about you? Would you give it?
1: So I gave it a four and a half and rounded to four. Um, as I've already given my reasons for (laughs) how I rate on Goodreads. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I would say this is a solid four and a half. I wish I could truly give it a four and a half on Goodreads. Um, I think for me, what kept it from being a five was that I did feel like the... I I felt like the downtroddenness was just a little bit more affected than it needed to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, that removed... Uh, just a little bit of the realness Mm -hmm. if that makes sense like i I, like i agree to to some extent with that review that you read by lorraine berry about it being poverty porn like i do think it is a realistic depiction of that uh, crisis and Mm -hmm. that lifestyle in appalachia and in coal mining country but i feel like there was it just felt whether or not it's true, it's just my take, it just felt to me like it was a little bit more um, dramatic or performative than it had to be, just just slightly.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I agreed with that critical review as well, and I thought the way that it was described as poverty porn, it -hmm. just, that hit the nail on the head for me. It's just, I don't know, I like my books to have a little bit more positivity, but I mean, I know it's hard sometimes, so it's not like it's catered to just me uh, I think that four, four and a half is is fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people think this book's a five. And yeah. I think that's super fair I think, too.
1: I think several people in our book club rated it a five. Yeah,
0: And I, I totally respect that. I mean, there's no denying that she is a master of her craft when it comes mm-hmm. to writing. I mean, she wrote this so well. It was extremely well written. It's just, eh, you know, I, yeah. I definitely say go into this beware you know yeah. beware of the
1: content. just know you're you're gonna be sad when you finish yeah you're gonna
0: go you're gonna finish this book and you're gonna want to follow up with our next read <laughs> which is extremely fluffy and do you want to tell yeah. us what we're reading next? yeah
1: yeah so I guess too like I mean it, this next book like does deal with some harder issues but I but it it ends well. Yeah, let's just say that. I think I think it ends well.
0: Okay. Um, I, wait, what are we reading next? Because I don't even remember.
1: Reminders of Him by Colleen Hoover. Oh my
0: gosh! Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: So I mean, yeah, yeah. So, I know nothing of this. So book. I'm not going to say anymore because some people. Well, I'm not going to say anymore because we haven't gotten to that episode yet, and so people maybe haven't read the book yet. But yeah, um, it's it's a quick read. It's an easy read. And even though as typical is for Colleen Hoover, there are many conflicts and then much drama. Mm. But, you know, it's usually all wrapped up with a nice little bow at the end. Unless she... So let's hope for that. Unless it's Verity.
0: Yeah, unless it's Verity. And then you're going to get that bonus chapter that's just... Whoa. Yeah, I didn't read it. epilogue. So I did end up reading Verity. That was my first Colleen Hoover book. Mm -hmm. And I know that people love that book. I did... I love that book. I
1: feel like that's a love it or hate it book.
0: Yeah, it was very triggering for me, I Mm -hmm. guess. With uh, some of the... I wish that I had known going into it a little bit more what I was getting myself into, but Mm -hmm. I am excited to read Reminders of Him. Now, I know that something's being made into a movie right now
1: that is um it ends with us oh which i had that was the first colleen hoover book i read oh and then i read the sequel to that and then i read verity so this is my fourth (laughs) coho
0: this is your fourth okay this is my second i'm not i'm not gonna call myself a coho stan yet Mm -hmm. i'm gonna give her another try and depending on how this one goes i might
1: might change it, your opinion. Yeah, it's going
0: to depend on how, if I ever read it by her I again. think it would
1: be very hard to base your opinion of Colleen Hoover on Verity, because it's very, from my understanding, of course, I've only read the three, it's very different from her normal okay. way of writing and her normal genre.
0: Okay. So we'll so, see. I'm excited to to yeah. get into it. I know that she has a lot of fans, so we'll mm-hmm. we'll do it justice for you, and um, we'll go in with an open mind.
1: Yep. Join us next time when we discuss Reminders of Him by Colleen Hoover.
0: If you liked what you heard, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Follow us on Instagram at Bibliophiles at Home.
0: Send us recommendations for books you'd like to hear us review at bibliophiles at home at gmail.com. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Camilla. Until next time, happy reading. Send us recommendations for books you'd like to hear us review at bibliophiles at home at gmail dot
1: com.
0: Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Okay, okay, let's try again.